The Evolution of Modesty, Part 1, Section 4, of Studies in the Psychology of Sex, Volume 1, by Havelock Ellis. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Anne Boulay. The Evolution of Modesty, Part 1, Section 4. The Greeks, Etruscans, and Romans appear to have been accustomed to cover the foreskin with a kind of desme, a band, or the fibula, a ring, for custom and modesty demanded that the glands should be concealed. Such covering is represented in persons who were compelled to be naked, and is referred to by Celsus as decori causae. Among the Lydians, and indeed among the barbarians generally, it is considered a deep disgrace, even for a man, to be seen naked. The simple dress, which is now common, was first worn in Sparta, and there, more than anywhere else, the life of the rich was assimilated to that of the people. The Lacedaemonians, too, were the first who, in their athletic exercises, stripped naked and rubbed themselves over with oil. This was not the ancient custom. Athletes formerly, even when they were contending at Olympia, wore girdles about their loins. Earlier still, the Mycenaeans had always worn a loincloth, a practice which lasted until quite lately, and still persists among barbarians, especially those of Asia, where the combatants at boxing and wrestling matches wear girdles. The notion of women exercising naked in the schools with the men at the present day would appear truly ridiculous. Not long since was it thought discreditable and ridiculous among the Greeks, as it is now amongst most barbarous nations, for men to be seen naked. When the Cretans first, and after them the Lacedaemonians, began the practice of gymnastic exercises, the wits of the time had it in their power to make sport of those novelties. As for the man who laughs at the idea of undressed women going through gymnastic exercises as a means of revealing what is most perfect, his ridicule is but unripe fruit picked from the tree of wisdom. According to Plutarch, however, among the Spartans, at all events, nakedness in women was not ridiculous, since the institutes of Lycurgus ordained that at solemn feasts and sacrifices the young women should dance naked and sing, the young men standing around in a circle to see and hear them. Aristotle says that in his time Spartan girls only wore a very slight garment. As described by Pausanias, and as shown by a statue in the Vatican, the ordinary tunic, which was the sole garment worn by women when running, left bare the right shoulder and breast, and only reached to the upper third of the thighs. Among the Greeks who were inclined to accept the doctrines of cynicism, it was held that, while shame is not unreasonable, what is good may be done and discussed before all men. There are a number of authorities who say that Crates and Hipparchia consummated their marriage in the presence of many spectators. Lactanius says that the practice was common, but this Zeller is inclined to doubt. Among the Tyrhanians, who carry their luxury to an extraordinary pitch, Timaeus, in his first book, relates that the female servants wait on the men in a state of nudity, and Theopompus, in the 43rd book of his history, states that it was a law among the Tyrrhenians that all their women should be in common, 
and that women pay the greatest attention to their persons, and often practice gymnastic exercises, naked, among the men, and sometimes with one another, for that it is not accounted shameful for them to be seen naked. Nor is it reckoned among the Tyrrhenians at all disgraceful, either to do or suffer anything in the open air, or to be seen while it is going on. For it is quite the custom of their country, and they are so far from thinking it disgraceful, that they even say, when the master of the house is indulging his appetite, and any one asks for him, that he is doing so-and-so, using the coarsest possible words. They are very beautiful, as is natural for people to be who live delicately, and who take care of their persons. Dennis throws doubt on the foregoing statement of Athenius, regarding the Tyrrhenians or Etruscans, and points out that representations of women in Etruscan tombs shows them as clothed, even the breast being rarely uncovered. Nudity, he remarks, was a Greek, not an Etruscan characteristic. To the nudity of the Spartan woman I need but refer. The Thessalian women were described by Perseus dancing at banquets naked, or with a very scanty covering. The maidens of Chios wrestled naked with the youths in the gymnasium, which Athenaeus pronounces to be a beautiful sight, and at the marriage feast of Caranus, the Macedonian women tumblers performed naked before the guests. In Rome, when there was at first much less freedom in this matter than in Greece, the bath became common to both sexes, and though each had its basin and hot room apart, they could see each other, meet, speak, form intrigues, arrange meetings, and multiply adulteries. At first, the baths were so dark that men and women could wash side by side, without recognizing each other except by the voice. But soon the light of day was allowed to enter from every side. In the bath of Scipio, says Seneca, there were narrow vent holes, rather than windows, hardly admitting enough light to outrage modesty. But nowadays, baths are called caves if they do not receive the sun's rays through large windows. Hadrian severely prohibited this mingling of men and women, and ordained separate Laverne for the sexes. Marcus Aurelius and Alexander Severus renewed this edict, but in the interval, Heliogabalus had authorized the sexes to meet in the baths. In Rome, according to ancient custom, actors were compelled to wear drawers, subliga culuum, on the stage, in order to safeguard the modesty of Roman matrons. Respectable women, it seems, also always wore some sort of subliga culuum, even sometimes while bathing. The name was also applied to a leathern girdle laced behind, which they were occasionally made to wear as a girdle of chastity. Greek women also wore a cloth round the loins when taking the bath, as did the men who bathed there. A woman is represented bathing and wearing a sort of thin combinations, reaching to the middle of the thigh. At a later period, St. Augustine refers to the compestria, the drawers or apron worn by young men, who strip for exercise in the compus. Leakey brings together instances of women, in both pagan and early Christian times, who showed their modesty by drying their garments around them, even at the moment that they were being brutally killed. Plutarch, in his essay on the virtues of women, moralizing on the well-known story of the young women of Milesia, among whom an epidemic of suicide was only brought to an end, by the decree that in future women who hanged themselves should be carried naked through the market-places, 
observes, they who had no dread of the most terrible things in the world, death and pain, could not abide the imagination of dishonor and exposure to shame even after death. In the second century, the physician Aretas, writing at Rome, remarks, in many cases, owing to involuntary restraint from modesty at assemblies and at banquets, the bladder becomes distended, and from the consequent loss of its contractile power, it no longer evacuates the urine. Apuleius, writing in the second century, says, Most women, in order to exhibit their native gracefulness and allurements, divest themselves of all their garments, and long to show their naked beauty, being conscious that they shall please more by the rosy redness of their skin than by the golden splendor of their robes. Christianity seems to have profoundly affected habits of thought and feeling by uniting together the merely natural emotion of sexual reserve with, on the one hand, the masculine virtue of modesty, modestia, and on the other, the prescription of sexual abstinence. Tertullian admirably illustrates this confusion, and his treatises De Pudicia and De Cultu Feminarum are instructive from the present point of view. In the latter, he remarks, Book 2, Chapter 1, Salvation, and not of women only, but likewise of men, consists in the exhibition, principally, of modesty. Since we are all the temple of God, modesty is the sacristan and priestess of that temple, who is to suffer nothing unclean or profane to enter it, for fear that the God who inhabits it should be offended. Most women, either from simple ignorance or from dissimulation, have the hardihood so to walk as if modesty consisted only in the integrity of the flesh, and in turning away from fornication, and there were no need for anything else, in dress or ornament, the studied graces of form, wearing in their gait the self-same appearance as the women of nations from whom the sense of true modesty is absent. The earliest Christian ideal of modesty, not long maintained, is well shown in an epistle which, there is some reason to suppose, was written by Clement of Rome. And if we see it to be requisite to stand and pray for the sake of the woman, and to speak words of exhortation and edification, we call the brethren and all the holy sisters and maidens, likewise all the other women who are there, with all modesty and becoming behavior, to come and feast on the truth. And those among us who are skilled in speaking, speak to them, and exhort them in those words which God has given us. And then we pray and salute one another, the men, the men. But the women and the maidens will wrap their hands in their garments. We also, with circumspection and with all purity, our eyes looking upward, shall wrap our right hand in our garments, and they will come and give us the salutation of our right hand, wrapped in our garments. Then we go where God permits us. Women will scarce strip naked before their own husbands, affecting a plausible pretense of modesty, writes Clement of Alexandria, about the end of the second century. But any others who wish may see them at home, shut up in their own baths, for they are not ashamed to strip before spectators, as if exposing their persons for sale. The baths are open promiscuously to men and women, and there they strip for licentious indulgence, for, from looking, men get to loving, as if their modesty had been washed away in the bath. 
those who have not become utterly destitute of modesty shut out strangers but bathe with their own servants and strip naked before their slaves and are rubbed by them giving to the crouching menial liberty to lust by permitting fearless handling for those who are introduced before their naked mistresses while in the bath study to strip themselves in order to show audacity in lust casting off fear in consequence of the wicked custom the ancient athletes ashamed to exhibit a man naked preserved their modesty by going through the contest in drawers but these women divesting themselves of their modesty along with their chemise wish to appear beautiful but contrary to their wish are simply proved to be wicked promiscuous bathing was forbidden by the early apostolical constitutions but cyprian bishop of carthage found it necessary in the third century to abrade even virgins vowed to chastity for continuing the custom what of those he asks who frequent the baths who prostitute to eyes that are curious to lust bodies that are dedicated to chastity and modesty they who disgracefully behold naked men and are seen naked by men do they not themselves afford enticement to vice do they not solicit and invite the desires of those present to their own corruption and wrong let every one say you look to the disposition with which he comes thither my care is only that of refreshing and washing my poor body that kind of defense does not clear you nor does it excuse the crime of laviciousness and wantonness such a washing defiles it does not purify nor cleanse the limbs but stains them you behold no one immodestly but you yourself are gazed upon immodestly you do not pollute your eyes with disgraceful delight but in delighting others you yourself are polluted you make a show of the bathing place the places where you assemble are fouler than a theatre there all modesty is put off together with the clothing of garments the honor and modesty of the body is laid aside virginity is exposed to be pointed at and to be handled let your baths be performed with women whose behavior is modest towards you the church carried the same spirit among the barbarians of northern europe and several centuries later the promiscuous bathing of men and women was prohibited in some of the penitentials the custom was however preserved here and there in northern europe even to the end of the eighteenth century or later women says clement again should not seek to be disgraceful by avoiding broad drinking vessels that oblige them to stretch their mouths in order to drink from narrow alabastra that caused them indecently to throw back the head revealing to men their necks and breasts the mere thought of what she is ought to inspire a woman with modesty on no account must a woman be permitted to show to a man any portion of her body naked for fear lest both fall the one by gazing eagerly the other by delighting to attract those eager glances james bishop of nisibis in the fourth century was a man of great holiness we are told by theodoret that once when james was newly come into persia it was vouchsafed to him to perform a miracle under the following circumstances he chanced to pass by a fountain where young women were washing their linen and his modesty being profoundly shocked by the exposure involved in this occupation he cursed the fountain which instantly dried up and he changed the hair of the girls from black to a sandy color procopius writing in the sixth century after christ and narrating how the empress theodora in early life 
would often appear almost naked before the public in the theater adding that she would willingly have appeared altogether nude but that no woman is allowed to expose herself altogether unless she wears at least short drawers over the lower part of the abdomen chrysostom mentions at the end of the fourth century that arcadius attempted to put down the august festival majuma during which women appeared naked in the theatres or swimming in large baths in medieval days ladies at all events as represented by the poets were not on the whole very prudish Melloran surprised a lady who was taking a bath under a lime tree the bath was covered with samite and by it was a magnificent ivory bed surrounded by tapestries representing the history of paris and helen the destruction of troy the adventures of aeneas etc as Melloran's rides by the lady's waiting-maids run away she herself however with quick decision raises the samite which covers the tub and orders him to wait on her in place of the maids he brings her shift and mantle and shoes and then stands aside till she is dressed when she has placed herself on the bed she calls him back and commands him to drive away the flies while she sleeps strange to say the men are represented as more modest than the women when two maidens prepared a bath for parzival and proposed to bathe with him according to custom the inexperienced young knight was shy and would not enter the bath until they had gone on another occasion he jumped quickly into bed when the maidens entered the room when wolf dietrich was about to undress he had asked the ladies who pressed around him to leave him alone for a short time as he was ashamed they should see him naked when amphons of spain bewitched by his stepmother into a werewolf was at last restored and stood suddenly naked before her he was greatly ashamed the maiden who healed iwin was tender of his modesty in his love madness the hero wanders for a time naked through the wood three women find him asleep and send a waiting maid to anoint him with salve when he came to himself the maiden hid herself on the whole however the ladies are not so delicate they had no hesitation in bathing with gentlemen and on these occasions would put their finest ornaments on their heads i know no pictures of the twelfth and thirteenth centuries representing such a scene but such baths in common are clearly represented in the miniatures of the fifteenth century in the years fourteen fifty to seventy the use of the codpiece was introduced whereby the attributes of manhood were accentuated in the most shameless manner it was in fact the avowed aim at that period to attract attention to these parts the codpiece was sometimes colored differently from the rest of the garments often stuffed out to enlarge it artificially and decorated with ribbons the first shirt began to be worn in germany in the sixteenth century from this fact as well as from the custom of public bathing we reach the remarkable result that for the german people the sight of complete nakedness was the daily rule up to the sixteenth century everyone undressed completely before going to bed and in the vapor baths no covering was used again the dances both of the peasants and the town people were characterized by very high leaps into the air it was the chief delight of the dancers for the male to raise his partner as high as possible in the air so that her dress flew up that feminine modesty was in this respect very indifferent we know from countless references made in the fifteenth and sixteenth century it must not be forgotten that throughout the middle ages women wore no underclothes even in the seventeenth century 
the wearing of drawers by Italian women was regarded as singular. That with the disappearance of the baths and the use of body linen, a powerful influence was exerted on the creation of modesty, there can be little doubt. In 1461, when Louis XI entered Paris, three very beautiful maidens, quite naked, represented the sirens, and declaimed poems before him. They were greatly admired by the public. In 1468, when Charles the Bold entered Lilla, he was specially pleased, among the various festivities, with the representation of the Judgment of Paris, in which the three goddesses were nude. When Charles V entered Antwerp, the most beautiful maidens of the city danced before him, in nothing but gauze, and were closely contemplated by Dior, as he told his friend, Melanchthon. Pasek, a Polish officer who wrote an account of his campaigns, admired the ladies of Denmark in 1658, but considered their customs immodest. Everyone sleeps naked as at birth, and none consider it shameful to dress or undress before others. No notice, even, is taken of the guest, and in the light, one garment is taken off after another, even the chemise is hung on the hook. Then the door is bolted, the light blown out, and one goes to bed. As we blame their ways, saying that among us a woman would not act so, even in the presence of her husband alone, they replied that they knew nothing of such shame, and that there was no need to be ashamed of limbs which God had created. Moreover, to sleep without a shift was good, because, like the other garments, it sufficiently served the body during the day. Also, why take fleas and other insects to bed with one? Although our men tease them in various ways, they would not change their habits. End of the Evolution of Modesty, Part 1, Section 4